know my only relationship with alcohol was abusing it. When you drink, you drink a lot hard, you black out, you pass out. I went from a glass of wine with dinner to a bottle, two bottles a night, to hiding vodka and water bottles, lying to my husband, marriage on the rocks, uh, fighting, almost lost my family. God didn't change his mind about me just because I'm an alcoholic. He actually gave me more grace, gave me more annoyed to get qualified me to uh, minister because I'm actually, he trusted me. He entrusted me with this message to be able to say uh, what Second Corinthians 12, 9 says that in our weakness, we're strong. So it, when I admit my powerlessness, I'm bragging on the power of Jesus that saved me from addiction, not she is a best-selling author of Reframe Your Shame, a certified emotional intelligence coach, an overcomer of alcohol addiction and trauma, the founder of the Marriage Equation Ministry, a ministry helping build strong marriages that result in healthy families that impact our communities for the better. We have the beautiful, amazing Irene Rollins on with us today. I pray this blesses you, friend. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can, a light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it, be it, love people, be kind, honor them, honor yourself. This is made to shine. everybody and welcome back to made to shine as you just heard in that introduction we are in for such a stinking treat today i am so excited to have the beautiful amazing irene rollins on she is someone from afar i have just been like wow this girl is doing so much good for the kingdom in our world and i think that comes so much from just your courage to be vulnerable and we were talking before this you know just getting really into the deep stuff which which we're gonna do today um but you guys the reason i wanted irene irene on is because as you all know here at made to shine we believe believe every single person has ministry, not just preachers, not just pastors. It's the way you live your life. It's the way you're going to class right now or tuning into this driving to school or to practice or wherever this has you. And Irene, between being a wife and a mom and a minister and a preacher, and you're, you're doing all these things, right? You're a speaker, you're an author, you're all these things. You shine your light in all these avenues that comes from the Holy Spirit. And you're shining it on things and places that I feel like it's need to be shown for so long. And it just, mm. there was just so much resistance there. And so thank you for your courage and your bravery. And thank you for being on Made to Shine today. Absolutely. It's such an honor to be with you and your audience. And it's my favorite like demographic of people. I think you guys are just primed for just an amazing life, an abundant life. And I just love that your podcast, because we're talking about things that 
I wish I had heard and talked mm -hmm. about when I was your age. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to have you on and to pour into this generation. Cause as you said, the, this, this age group, it's such impressionable years and there's so many decisions to be made in these years. And I feel like I once heard like the enemy gets you at points of transition and these are such transitional years. So being able to hear from people like you that have lived a lot of life, learned a lot of things and are being such a light and standing firm in it, I just think is going to be so valuable. And before we dive in, we have to start out this podcast with the way we open up every podcast, which I know you don't know about this. So, but okay. it is, what is your favorite quote and why? Ooh, okay. It's uh, Maya Angelou. And uh, she mm -hmm. says, she has it in the cage, why the caged bird sings. She says, um, I was ignorant of being ignorant until I became aware of being aware. So it's like this moment, and this is my prayer for this generation, that we walk around so ignorant of things that exist outside of our frame of reference, right? But then the Lord has these special moments, and that's what I'm praying for on this podcast, is that we become aware of something we weren't aware of before whether it's emotional health, emotional intelligence, addiction, whatever, um, mental health, anything that we end up discussing, let's become aware of it. And then we dive deeper, we grow. And it's like our mind gets expanded, our hearts get expanded mm -hmm. and um, our reach to others gets expanded. So I'm grateful for those moments where it's like that light bulb goes off and I become aware of something that I was completely unaware of and I was ignorant of being ignorant. Does that make sense? Oh, That's yeah. Have you ever seen uh, Chosen or the the TV series Chosen? I'm not it's recalling good. that I'm the worst with like figure. You out. should like, watch it. It's it's amazing. Dallas Jenkins right is the director. Um, but in the, in the beginning, the promo like introduction video is it's like all these fish swimming and then one mm -hmm. fish turns the other way. And then another fish turns the other way. And, and I'm like, when you were speaking about awareness, that's what I thought. Because I think we have mm -hmm. a lot of people just running and running and running. And we think we're doing the right thing. But the confirmation of that is everybody else is doing it too. When in fact, typically mm -hmm. that's confirmation. You're probably not going the right direction. Right. Everyone else is swimming that way too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that. And I know you have so many, like to, to be able to say something like that with such conviction, you mm -hmm. must have lived a life with many moments where perhaps you weren't aware and you learned that lesson. So take us back to kind of the most important pieces of your story to give some context for sure. this person that I'm speaking to today. That's shining so much light on addiction, et cetera. Okay, great. So um, I'm 46 years old, by the way, and been married almost 25 years. And my husband's amazing. And it's been the best eight years ever. I like to tell people that and we laugh because it's true. I'm eight years sober. Actually, as of yesterday, November 12th is my sober date. And um, I, uh, eight years of sobriety, three kids. I'm an empty nester. Um, I started young. My husband and I met when we were, um, I was 21, he was 24, and we just went full-time ministry. We met on the job. We were both technical recruiters, but 
make a long story short, we served his parents um, as executive pastors at their church for years. And then we took over their church and relaunched it with uh, like our feel, um, an outreach focused church where we serve the world, serve the community. And we're like empowering people to change the world. And I thought like my life was amazing. I, you know, on the outside, I looked like I had it all together, but I was ignorant of being ignorant as my Angela says. And I did not know and realize how miserable internally I was. Emotionally, I was a wreck. Um, I didn't, didn't know how to manage my emotions. I didn't know how to label them. I didn't know how to articulate them. So I was emotionally illiterate, for lack of a better word. I was born in Zambia. Um, I'm biracial. Uh, my dad was Caucasian American. Both my parents are gone now. But um, they what I love about my upbringing is that I was cultured, lived all over the world and got that exposure. But during those times, there were traumas, little traumas and big traumas that added up. And by the time I was about 32, it kind of all imploded on me. Again, I was ignorant of what I was experiencing on the inside. It was undealt with sexual abuse from my past. I was having flashbacks and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do with this? And I just didn't know I was allowed to say it out loud. Um, so I just stuffed it and numbed it and with overworking and trying to perform. And um, I was shameful about being biracial and like felt like I never fit in anywhere. My identity was um, just my self I had no self-esteem. I had others esteem. What other people thought of me is how I felt about myself. Wow. So 32 years old, this critical moment in time, I've been popping out babies for 12 years, serving God on fire for the Lord. And we're relaunching this church and we go on vacation and I decide that my husband and I decide to have a drink. Well, I haven't drank since I was 21 and came to know God and met my husband and things like that. So my only relationship with alcohol was abusing it. When you drink, you drink a lot hard, you black out, you pass out, you're stupid. You don't remember what happened the day before. Um, lots of one night stands that I can't even remember. Thank God I'm alive. I didn't get an STD and I, di I didn't have like an unwanted pregnancy or what have you. Um, it's the Lord saved me before disaster, but my early introduction, 10 years old, I had my first drink when I was in Africa. And when I lived overseas, I helped myself, no drinking age. So by the time I was 21, I was already an alcoholic, but didn't know it. So I was probably on the spectrum, again, ignorant of being ignorant. I didn't know anything about addiction. So I didn't know I had already fallen because I had abused it so much. I had gotten to dependency. So when I added it back up over a six year period of time as a mother, a wife, a pastor serving in ministry, I went from a glass of wine with dinner to a bottle, two bottles a night, to hiding vodka and water bottles, lying to my husband, marriage on the rocks, uh, fighting, almost lost my family. And it was if my husband hadn't given me an ultimatum to get help, I never, I wouldn't be here today. It, that ultimatum saved my life. Um, and it's the foundation that God built our ministry on. Like, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It says that in Romans eleven twenty nine, and it's true. God didn't change his mind about me just because I'm an alcoholic. 
he actually gave me more grace, gave me more annoyed to get qualified me to uh, minister because I'm actually, he trusted me. He entrusted me with this message to be able to say uh, what second Corinthians 12, nine says that in our weakness, we're strong. So it, when I admit my powerlessness, I'm bragging on the power of Jesus that saved me from addiction, not Irene is amazing because she's eight years sober. No, it's without the power of Christ with me from the moment I was abused when I was six years old, all the way through, all the way through to where I am today through addiction and recovery and my family being healed. Without Jesus, I'd be nothing. When I think about one, thank you for sharing. Like that is, I think to to think back on all you've been through, and then to be able to 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 say that, you know, it's one thing to heal yourself, but it's another thing to be able to shine light back for others. Um, you talk a lot about reframing your shame and how the way you get through this one painful situation will one day be the survival guide for somebody else. I think about this upcoming generation and there's kind of two camps of people. There's the people that maybe don't know Jesus and they're, they're reaching for things and they're reaching for things that ultimately God knows can only be found in him. Um, but they, they haven't yet found accepted Jesus or God is that answer. Or they're the people that they have accepted Jesus and they have accepted God, but they haven't accepted themselves. And so they're reaching for things and reaching for things because they don't love themselves in the way that God says that they're able to be loved. Um, when you were going through that period, like you knew God and you were, you were trying to numb out and numb out and numb out. What was it you were trying to numb out? when you knew you had a heavenly father that called you loved and called you worthy, like mm -hmm. talk to me about that. There's just a pain an agonizing non-inward pain that shame causes. Shame disconnects us from God. Shame, uh, dis we hide, we isolate. So we don't connect with people authentically. We don't show up as our authentic selves. And it, shame as an emotion is actually the most powerful emotion and it's inward and it's painful. And it, to the point where I was so unaware that I was dealing with shame, that it became toxic because it, which made me anxious, made me uh, depressed. So then I drank more at it, which made my addiction worse. It was like a vicious cycle. So the pain stemmed from shame. I'm not enough. I'm ugly. My hair's curly. Should it be straight? Like, you know, comparison about other preachers, ministers, people who were, um, you know, grew up in church and just knew the Bible better than me. I'm a pastor's wife. I should know more. Um, you know, gosh, shame about being biracial. Like it, it's stuff that even here's what we don't realize. Shame is so powerful. It can be transferred in the womb. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I was in rehab, they had me start, I was like, okay, when do we start talking about how much my husband's trying to control me to get me to stop drinking? They're like, uh-uh-uh-uh, what happened? I need a timeline from when you were in your mother's womb. We're, that's where we're starting. Mm -hmm. Because what, my mom was experiencing tremendous shame for marrying a white man. And, uh, you know, she, like they were experiencing so much trial and tribulation. What happened to her in that 
season impacted me, transferred through the womb. I started my life in shame, hiding, isolating, scarcity, not enough, not enough. So that pain is what I drank at. So here's the deal though. All of us are picking up baggage all through life. God fearfully and wonderfully made us in our mother's womb, but yet our stories are being written in a sinful world. And that's the part where we reach for something mm-hmm. to cope with. So as a believer, yes, I love Jesus, but there was this lie that was deep within my heart that I had never articulated that I hated myself. That's what shame is. It's self-hate. So rather than turning, understanding shame, turning it around, reframing it, I believed it, didn't think I was allowed to say that. I'm a pastor. I'm a wife. I'm supposed to have it all together. You know what I mean? Like fake it till you make it. Mm. Boo. Hate that. Mm. I'm so against that now. Now I'm like completely the opposite. I'm flossom, deeply flawed, but amazing anyway. I and, love that. You know, yeah. And it's like, hey, this is me. Um, this is my, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm also a whole lot of other things. You know what I mean? I'm in recovery from alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I'm allergic to alcohol. I can't have it. One is too many and a thousand isn't enough. It makes me crazy. So it's like an allergy. So I'm not ashamed of having an allergy. Mm. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the King. I'm, you know, that that's who I am. I'm a daughter of the, of the Lord and that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And, but it's taken me so long to accept that. So long, Annie, like so much repeat behavior. You become what you repeatedly do. So why I say that rehab was amazing for me and the foundation that God built the rest of my life is because that's where I learned how to replace or first repent for my old ways then replace it with the truth of the word of God. Mm. But then I needed therapy, like trauma therapy, to remove these wounds to my brain and my psyche that were altering the way I behaved and what I believed about myself. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's some listeners out there who are wondering, why do I keep ending up in the same cycle of negative thinking? And you're literally verbally abusing yourself in your own head to the point where nobody knows that you're considering suicide because you have pushed yourself mentally and emotionally to the limit, coming, like attacking yourself. Mm -hmm. And we don't know where it comes from. We don't know because nobody's talking about it. And so we reach for something to cope with. Ooh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be, I like this alcohol a lot. I probably, the Bible says I shouldn't get drunk, Mm -hmm. but everyone else does it. It's socially acceptable. But the Bible also says, don't conform to the things of this world, you know, like be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if we conform, it may not, it may be okay for somebody else, but it, it's not okay for me because of my trauma, because alcoholism runs in my family. So Irene, you talked a lot about like kind of conforming to people in this world. And that's where a lot of shame is born. I so can relate to that. I, there's a phrase, um, it's called shoulding all over the place. Like I should do this. I should do that. And, you know, someone once told me, Annie, God can't bless who you pretend to be because I very much fall on the spectrum of 
growing up, I put so much of my identity in making people happy. And I thought to make people happy, it meant I could never be sad. So for me, my hiding place was deep down, I was sad. There was things I didn't understand. There was parts of myself that I was struggling with, but I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about that because there was shame around not being okay and not being the happy yeah. girl. And mm-hmm. what that led to though, was almost just like this, this cover up of, I, I translated that into my relationship with God. I felt like I couldn't show yeah. God when I was upset because it's rejoice in the mm-hmm. Lord always. And, you know, be in yes, but you can still be upset. Yes, but you can still be struggling with this. And I yeah. think too, you know, like, for example, you struggle with alcohol. I never struggled with alcohol, but I've been addicted to busyness. I've been addicted mm-hmm. to, I, you know, it, there's always a relationship with social media. You got to watch. Some people are addicted to gossiping. Some people are addicted mm-hmm. to judgment. I think this generation coming up, we forget that alcohol, sex, drugs, it doesn't have to be this big whammy of a thing. There's a lot of us addicted to what other people think of us. I love, how did you put mm-hmm. it? Other, um, Others esteem. Others esteem. Oh, I never heard that. I love that. I'm going to take that and give you credit. So good. Um, Mm -hmm. But talk to me through that, you know, God gives us freedom to do certain Mm -hmm. things. How do you know when something that might not be a problem for something else is a problem for you, is a challenge Mm -hmm. for you? Because I'm sure you experienced that in a world that a lot of people can drink healthily and it's fine, but for you, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So talk me through that. Absolutely. So let's, let's think about what the the word addiction is. So addiction, and we use, when we use that word, we're saying something that we do out of moderation, that is no longer cause that's causing our life to become unmanageable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So unmanageability is really the key word. So if someone out there, a listener is like, Oh, I hate the word addiction. No, I'm not addicted. And everybody gets all like, funny about it because you feel shame about the word addiction. Let's look at it from this perspective. How about we reframe it and look at it as what in your life is becoming unmanageable? So is it your relationships? Then why? Ask yourself that question. Are you so busy that your relationships are now, you're ignoring them? You're not investing in them? Um, you're isolated all by yourself. People are angry with you. Your spouse wants to leave you. Your boyfriend wants to leave you. Um, what's out of moderation you're spending to the point where your debt is so out of control that you have uh, a really low credit score. And so the consequences are increasing and you won't stop. That's addiction. Something is harming you and you won't stop. You can stop before it gets to addiction. If you become aware that there is a spectrum and a scale that we can all slide down in the area of, um, so anything in moderation is okay. Anything out of moderation, like too little or too much, that's where we have to have our knower on. That's where we have to have our like awareness hat on. Like what's happening here? Why don't I want to connect with people? Why am I socially isolated? I might be depressed. Mm. So these highs and lows are telling us something. If the high is, uh, oh gosh, I'm nothing unless I have a boyfriend. Or if I'm not in a relationship, I'm just not happy. I have no worth, no value. 
but how does that show up? What does that look like? You're hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship and you keep dating the same person. So you're looking for uh, something and you keep sabotaging yourself by going for the same thing again to, it's like a, um, it's a little lie you believe within your heart about yourself. And then, so you're not enough. You're, you've been rejected, abandoned by, I don't know, it could be at your father or somebody in your life. And then you want to go fulfill that with somebody else. But you're addicted to the, if it becomes an addiction, the high that you get from that honeymoon stage. Mm. So then you sabotage the relationship to confirm that you're rejected. See, I'm not enough. See, there's something wrong with me. Shame, 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 shame. Victim, victim, victim. So let me go find another person and I feel good again. It's temporary. So do you see the cycles? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, totally. if it's out of moderation, you like you're on your 18th marriage or you're, you've, mm-hmm. you know, you're promiscuous and your body count is going up and up mm-hmm. and up. <laughs> um, and, you know, because you can't, that's where you feel like you get your fix, your feel good. So you're doing something the red flag is I'm doing something that's harming me or people I love and I can't stop. Yeah. Even though the consequences are increasing. Yeah. And so the other day, my uh, sister and I were talking and there is a, a someone that we, that we know in our community and they, um, they, they're struggling with sex addiction. They, they came out and they said they're struggling and, and, you know, we were having this conversation like, they knew in the process of, of getting to that place, it's like they knew what they what they were doing wasn't good, but mm-hmm. where they were at was so painful. What mm-hmm. wasn't good seemed good. And so you think about where you, like someone had to be and feeling in the darkness in that place to reach for something they knew wasn't good, but they thought was better than where they were at when you think about the root of all of this for all people, believers, non-believers, whether you're addicted to, like we said, gossip, judgment, sex, alcohol, drugs, is the root of it all the same thing for everybody? I think so. And guess what it is? It's one word, codependency. I strongly believe that codependency and statistics and their studies, and you can read books and do research. Um, One resource is Pia Melody, she's amazing. Um, Codependency is the root of all addiction because it's the dysfunctional family of origin, which we all come from dysfunctional families. Because guess what? We're all broken people. Our parents did the best they knew how, the best they knew how with what was available to them. But they make mistakes just like I make mistakes with my own kids. And so, dysfunctional family systems create these um, wounds in us and belief systems that don't line up with the word of God that are deeply rooted. And when we do not um, care for that uh, in that uh, fractured childhood wound, we become in, we have developmental immaturities. So we grow into these adults with these impairments relationally because the root of codependency really is I um, care. It's like I have, um, I don't honor myself. I don't uh, trust my own opinion. I don't know how I have others esteem. 
It's all about external. Do you see what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. so here's a good way to put it. Codependency, the true meaning of it really boils down to a disconnection in your relationship with yourself. So if you can't relate to yourself, you're not relating to God or other people. Yeah. And that's where shame comes in. I'm not good enough. I don't know what to do with this. I can't show people that I don't have it all together. I'm supposed to be married by now. I'm supposed to be, you know, have be this place in my career. I should know what I'm going to be when I grow up. When I get to college, I'm supposed to have everything mapped out. And, you know, but I got a DUI, but I got, you know, kicked out of school because my grades were bad. Um you know, maybe you have ADHD and it hasn't been diagnosed or you're too ashamed to take medication. So suddenly you've got this pain and you don't address it. Mm -hmm. And then you get involved in something. So for that person, it might be porn. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're watched porn, maybe the early introduction, just like mine, early introduction is everything. Again, goes back to that core child, right? So my, the child Irene was exposed at 10. I was exposed at 10 to pornography as well. My husband was exposed at nine. He struggled with pornography. It didn't, I never did, but alcohol was my thing. You don't know what it's gonna be for you, but there is going to be something that the enemy tries to use to take you out. That's why we've gotta be alert, like first Peter 5, 8 says, because the enemy's out there roaring like a um, lion to try to devour us. And there's a scripture that I think, um, is good for everyone to kind of consider the apostle Paul is like my guy because he's so real and like you know when when he was having that conversation with um the lord and he's like take away this thorn in my flesh yeah. take away like you fill in the blank take away the sex addiction god take it away and th three times he begged the lord begged the lord and the lord said my grace is all you need my power's perfected in your weakness mm. and it's like so that's why I can boast about my weakness because mm -hmm. it is bragging on the power of Christ at work in me. And the apostle Paul goes on to say in first Corinthians six twelve, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I, so we have the freedom to do whatever we want in this world but we have a responsibility to this temple, this human me, it's not selfish. Yeah. I have a responsibility to me to weigh whether or not it's beneficial for me, mm. regardless of what the customs and culture of this world is saying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everyone looks at porn. Oh, everyone's on social media. I know a lot of people who aren't on social media because it's too tempting, mm -hmm. because those algorithms are gonna get you. If you look at one, um, if you're, I've heard guys say, if you look at one booty, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here, but yeah. you, yeah, you know you what can. I mean? Like you yeah. stay on that picture too long. Suddenly you're like, your um, explore page is full of butts, big butts. And it's like, okay, so that doesn't help my struggle. Mm -hmm. So those guardrails we have to put around ourselves when we figure out what that thing is that is mm -hmm. getting out of moderation is the difference between someone having to go to rehab like I did yeah. because you couldn't stop on your own or someone who's able to put a guardrail around them, okay. accountability, get support like that person you were talking about mm -hmm. in your community. The fact that they're saying it out loud, they broke the power of shame. Mm -hmm. They broke the power of hiding and isolating. Now 
God can use them. Now God can grow them. Even if they make a mistake, they can get right back up again because they've already gotten past. Because when you hide it, it just grows. It just gets bigger and bigger. And that's where addiction creeps in. Mm. And you go from dependency to addiction. So stop hiding. Listener, wherever you are, like right now, just evaluate like some things out of mod- what's in mo- out of moderation in your life. Is it beneficial to me? Hey, my sister may be able to drink, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Takes me to a dark place. Mm-hmm. I can't watch rated R movies. Whatever it is, take care of you. Own your story, your wounds, your wounds, and do the work to get free from your wounds so that you don't get taken out by something like a lack of awareness. That's so good. And and I think too, especially with this generation, it's almost like the enemy has turned a good thing into a destructive thing. That thing being wanting to be in community with people. And I say that because I think about myself. So I, I don't drink. I I drank a little bit in, in college, but um, like my, my family comes from a long line of alcoholism. So I've, mm. I've seen it. I've, I've experienced the, the ramifications secondhand. And so I've very much been, you know, not for me. And I would consider myself a confident person, but I'll say even like when I was working corporate tech sales, uh, there's a lot of drinking involved at happy hours. And, and I would be mm-hmm. very insecure sometimes to say, oh no, I don't want a glass of wine. So I would order the glass of wine and yeah. just hold it. And it was from this, like, I just want to fit in. I just want to be included. I get it. And that's a beautiful thing that God gave us. Like we are designed for community, but then the enemy Mm -hmm. has warped it into conforming into the things of this world, right? Like maybe giving up some values. So, So talk to me about how can you be in this world in the, in the way that God designed us to be like in community, but not of it in the sense that you give up your own personal, like the, the Irene values, the Annie boundaries, um, like what's the balance Mm -hmm. there? How did you learn that? So I I think it boils down back down to shame again. Like I, once I accepted my flaws, accepted who I am, why am I going to be ashamed of the Christ in me that saved me? that redeemed my story. I should be dead. I should have no marriage. Like my kids should be on the side of the street. No, they all love Jesus. They're in college. They're working full time. Like they're because we stopped long enough to be okay with our woundedness. And then we were able to be proud of like not ashamed of the Christ in us and the gospel. Mm -hmm. So it's like, So my kids, but everybody's journey is different. So we can't judge people who are like, you know, maybe at the phase that you were at where I still need to hold a glass of wine because I just need to look like I'm fitting in. I get it. Be gentle with yourself. It's okay. It's a process. But my kids went all on their own journey to figure out, am I going to drink even though my mom's an alcoholic? And I think being in this world, like the Bible says, but not of it, we are going to look different. And it took me becoming an alcoholic and being even more weird to the world and weird to Christians. How about Christians are the ones who tease me the most, ask me the most questions about why I'm not drinking. And I'm like, cause I'm allergic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're like, um, <laughs> and then they're like, 
oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be. I get to be sober. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. to not make a fool of myself and sound obnoxious and say stupid things and, you know, black out and not remember and destroy my family. Like, mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> so it's like, again, back to that inner child. Like, are you caring for that? I'm caring for that inner child, Irene, now by saying, it's okay, baby, to be proud of who you are as a daughter of the Most High God. Like, I have done so much work around healing her, the Mm -hmm. six-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 13-year-old, the 14-year-old that, you know, was overseas, felt abandoned and rejected and by myself, yet Mm -hmm. I was experiencing the Swiss Alps and boarding school, which was amazing. But like, I've done a lot of work to grow whatever wounds I had, grow the inner child, and all of us can do it with counselors in our small groups at church, sitting in your room in your prayer time, and asking God, like, okay, right now I'm struggling with um, the emotion of shame. I got triggered because someone um, was trying to make me drink, and I felt shame. Okay. So how old did I feel right there in that moment? Man, I felt 14. It was 14 when people were trying to shove alcohol down my throat and I wasn't cool unless I had it. And so I just joined the party and that's when my alcoholism really took root. Wow. Now with my counselor, with God, with Jesus in my quiet time, I'm going and I'm sitting with that 14 year old telling her, speaking into her life and reparenting her and telling her things that I wish I had heard from my mom and dad, but I forgive them because they didn't know because I was hiding. Um, (laughs) They, you know, I reparented her, told her how beautiful she was that she didn't have to try so hard to be something that she's not because she's, that's exhausting. And it's okay not to drink because, you know, like I love the the, the scriptures and the different versions. Um, The message version uh, of Romans 12, one through two says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking and um, without even thinking. Mm -hmm. And I just go back to that little girl and I say, you did it without even thinking. It's okay. Forgive yourself. It's not just about your abuser or the kids that, you know, were bullying you or pushing the alcohol down your throat. What part did you play in it, boo? Mm -hmm. Ah. I was trying to fit in. God, I repent. I repent. That was my part. We all have a part in our dysfunction and um, some stuff we can't choose, like who our parents are, what families were born into, some things happen to us. But now that we're coming into the family of God and he's showing us this new way of living a life that is healthy and um, he wants to us to, the Lord wants us to unlearn the dysfunction. And he mm-hmm. says it when he says, instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. And then you'll readily recognize what he wants from you mm-hmm. and quickly respond to it. How do we get to that point where our mind is being renewed and we now recognize and become aware of that thing that we were unaware of? We were ignorant of being in- ignorant until we became aware that we were aware. Today is a moment for listeners that God's waking up their awareness and they're like, oh my gosh, I am hurting and I need to say it out loud and reach out for help rather than, you know, just do what everybody else is doing shove it, stuff it, numb it, 
Don't talk about it. Act like you have it all together. Strive, perform, please. Bring your brokenness to the feet of Jesus. Talk to somebody about it. Get some help. And the bottom can come up to you instead of you hitting rock bottom like I did. <laughs> Man, I didn't know we were going to church today. This is amazing. Oh, I can't I help it. I'm sorry. It. No, this is exactly, this is, this is ministering to me um, because I think, you know, the enemy, I think one of the biggest tactics he has is to keep us really busy and so busy that, as you said, like in that scripture, without even thinking, we don't have time to think. And in this world, busyness, I think, is associated with significance. We judge our importance mm -hmm. in this world by how busy our calendar is and how much it's filled. This person needs me. This person needs me. Um, and I think that's such a smart trick because I know even myself, mm -hmm. the hardest Sneaky, thing it? for me to do <laughs> is nothing. Like the hardest thing for me to do is to say. And, but it's in that sitting, you can actually be aware of mm -hmm. what you're moving towards or not, or what you're mm -hmm. moving for or not, what you're living for or not, who you're living for or not. And I even think about like, I've been recently, the word listen has been on my heart. And so I've been looking in scripture mm. about the word listen. And I think a little word God gave me was like, everyone wants to listen for what, you know, they want me to tell them to do like, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. But I feel like God's like, when I first want you to listen, it's to listen to who you are, like who you are before you move, you are called, mm. you are chosen, you are blessed, you are set apart. You are beautiful. You're made on a purpose. And from that, you can move. And I think to use your like rock bottom phrase, I always say, don't be afraid of hitting rock bottom because at rock bottom, you get real intimate with the rock on which you build your life. And for a lot of us, preach. that's not Jesus. We think it's Jesus, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because at rock bottom, everything you actually built your life on is taken from you. And, but that's where you can heal. And so healing, I want to talk about the healing part of your journey. Cause I think we live in a society, people want results like that. And they like metrics mm -hmm. around things. We live in an analytical day and age. And so oh, yeah. with healing, how do you, are there metrics to healing? How do you know when you've really healed? And what does that time frame? did you initially, did that look like for you? Or is that a never ending process for you? Well, 100%, it's never ending, never ending process. But here's what I want the listeners to understand. Sorry, let me pause for a moment and grab this thought because I have ADHD and it left. Okay. So come back. Um, so recovery, here's the thing about recovery. It's different for everyone because we are all so unique and so different. I wish I could tell you that, oh, removing the substance, abstinence from sex, not watching porn. I wish I could tell you that all of those things, oh, I'm less busy. Now the I'm good. It's like removing the substance, removing the thing you were addicted to, as if that's the end of the deal, I'm good. Nope, I'm actually speaking about this at Celebrate Recovery tonight. Um, I'm talking about like how it's actually the beginning of freedom and recovery. When you stop using, when you stop abstaining, okay, now we can start. Now we press the start button for a journey that never has no end. Freedom is a journey, not a destination. Freedom is a journey, 
not a destination. So relax. None of us ever arrive. God cares, like you said, more about who we are than what we do. Mm-hmm. So it's not about how much counseling we got to go to, how many meetings we got to go to. It's like, that's going to be so individual based off of what happened, how your brain is wired. So for me, six months of trauma therapy, EMDR, um, got me to a place where I could think and talk about the abuse that happened to me at six years old. And it doesn't flood me emotionally anymore where I'm like, like feel like I'm going to die and have a panic attack. Now I can talk about it. Like it's a puddle over there, not a wave hitting me. So it took me six months. Might take someone three sessions to overcome their fear of dogs in an, the same EMDR session. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it maybe if, like you said, struggling with busyness, um, God cares more about who we are than what we do. So if we have to slow down and be still with God, then we can hear his voice and know his will, right? So if slowing down is the hard part for you because that's where your value and your worth is, then um, your recovery journey may look completely different. Like I was in rehab with a guy who lost his family because he could not stop working. He always put work before them. Um, there's, or you could be on the other end of the spectrum um, where you're completely unmotivated, but that's a whole nother story. But if you're trying to get a hold of that, um, sorry, I'm trying to think like, so busyness and what that looks like, I would say probably more um, that recovery journey is like full of accountability. Mm -hmm. So who's really, who are you really being transparent and vulnerable to? So you can be authentic with many, but vulnerable with a few. So those few that you've chosen to be vulnerable with, are they really holding you accountable? Are they really checking in and saying, hey, what's your schedule looking like? Like, are you know, have you taken a social media fast just to see how you feel emotionally? Like, do you benefit from it? Because if you do, maybe you struggle with comparison. Mm. Maybe you're on social media so much and now you're like, head is all, you know, you're in just flustered space. So, you know, it's just, a, like you said, just a lot of um, being honoring yourself, being true to yourself, hearing God and his will for you, slowing down long enough to do it, um, to hear from him. And then, yeah, just realizing that God actually cares about our emotions and wants to work with us through them. Um, you can't be spiritually mature without being emotionally healthy. So how about we just take care of our emotional health? Yeah. And you used the word emotional literacy earlier. And I love Mm -hmm. that. I loved it. Yeah. I I actually came up with that word. (laughs) It just came to me one day. I don't even know if it's a thing because I was like, I was emotionally illiterate. But you know, what's the cool thing? I went and got certified as an emotional intelligence coach, not because I wanted to coach people one-on-one, but because I was like, oh, wait. I'm going to go learn this thing that almost took me out. Oh, addiction almost took me out? Oh, I went and learned it. I found purpose in my deficiencies. I'm going to go help people with it. Now, you know what I mean? Now I've got this like power behind me. And man, did you know about ADHD? Because it almost took my marriage out because I was so unaware. And I thought my husband was doing this stuff at me. It was his ADHD. He couldn't help it. He got diagnosed, got help. Our marriage got better. 
Mm. Like, do you see what I'm saying about the lack of awareness? Mm -hmm. And I think I'm all over the place. Married with awareness there, there's a curiosity. There is Mm -hmm. this insatiable curiosity. I always say like with our emotions, we spend so much time judging them. We can't actually learn from them, which God gave Mm -hmm. us. They're amazing tools that literally indicate different kind of parts of our heart and what's going on. Like you talked about awareness. I think if you just learned and evaluated your emotions, those are the first tip of awareness of what the heck is going on. on with you. And yeah. like, and that's true, whether it's ADHD or um, like, mm-hmm. I think about girls that maybe struggle with jealousy, you know, they're jealous or guys mm-hmm. that are jealous of another guy who got an award or a girl that got a good grade or the boyfriend or whatever. It's like, why are you jealous? Instead of saying, Oh, don't be jealous. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. No, then why? Like what's under that? Um, and I think because it's good to your point, it's good to compare in a certain sense. Okay. I know I'm going to like totally ruffle feathers here, but just follow me. It's almost like, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's more envy when it Mm -hmm. goes over, you're comparing yourself and you go into envy that it becomes a thief of joy. See, because if I compare myself to you, Annie, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love her nails. I got to have those nails. You've just inspired me to go get pink nails. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay to look at someone and say, ooh, I want what they have. So I'm going to do, I want to know what they did to get where they are so I can go do it. I want to help somebody out there who's feeling guilty for doing that. It's when you think that person shouldn't have that. It should be mine. Mm -hmm. Oh, they got the promotion over me. That's not fair. That's falsehood of fallacy of fairness it's you know it's that's not real life um you know like use the if it gets to envy and you're like oh I want to live be married to the man that my friend is married to yeah that's sin that's wrong (laughs) but if you're using it to motivate you and say you know what did you do to work for that marriage that's so healthy Mm -hmm. because I want that when I get married I love that. I once heard it put comparison rooted in inspiration and comparison rooted in expiration and inspiration is like, Mm. it's like a breath. You like it's inspire. It's like a breath in and you just, you're motivated. You're sustained expiration. Think of it. Expiration date. It leads to death. It leads to death of who you feel you are. And I even think like in the Bible, bringing it back to Paul there, Paul constantly wrote about the other disciples and the great things they were doing. And I'm sure in a sense, it was like he was comparing himself in regards to being motivated. But he even said like, Peter's in charge talking to the Jews. God trusted me with the Gentiles. Like he didn't compare the different, I mean, think of all Paul would have not done Mm -hmm. had he been so distracted by comparison rooted and expiration. Mm -hmm. And so- but you said it right there. That is the best way to deal with comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to start posting about that person that you felt a little bit of jealousy of because they got, mm-hmm. I don't know, the part in the play. They're singing on the worship team and yeah. you're not getting that space. And oh, post and cheer them on. Cheer them on. Cheer the mess that. out of them. <laughs> cheer, you know that. what I mean? And that, you know, it. it's a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. Like, you know, you take it away from me. That's why in recovery, mm-hmm. they tell people us to serve. So service actually mm-hmm. gives us meaning and purpose and it helps us stay sober. So when I take the attend- addiction is so me focused, so selfish, mm-hmm. so is jealousy. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So is envy. So how about we give it away? Like take the focus off of us, volunteer, give it away, give away, think generous thoughts of people, give away compliments. So good. And I think comparison can be an ingredient into your addiction, right? Like into the result, Mm -hmm. but also can be um, uh, tampering with your healing. Like if you compare yourself to, oh, well, that person is, you know, has healed faster than me in this regard, or they got this and they've done the same work as me and I haven't gotten this. And, and so it's like you said, it's, it's how you use it. It's how you kind of, Mm -hmm. how God designed for it to be used. And I think that that's a, that's a powerful thing. And I know we're coming up on time Mm -hmm. here, Irene, we, um, this has just been so lovely. I feel like truly when I was thinking about on my heart, addiction specifically was on my heart for this generation Mm -hmm. as we spoke to prior. And when I saw all that you were doing, I was just so tickled that um, that we got connected and I got you on because you truly, I think, gave so much value and light to what could be some really dark mm. and desperate times for people. Yeah. And um, so to round us out, I do have a cap off question that I always ask at the end of mm-hmm. each episode, which um, is going to be interesting considering your your story that you gave us. But the first is, you know, there's the classic, what advice would you give your 10 year old self? But the flip side is mm. what advice would your 10 year old self give current day Irene? Ooh, since I've already talked about kind of how I went and spoke to yeah, my 10 year old self and said, you're valued and all of that. And um, you're worthy of love. I spoke that all of those things over her. Um, she deserved to hear that. Um, I would say she speaks to the adult Irene as in, um, you know what? I'm going to use your words. I think that my 10-year-old self would say to 46-year-old Irene, Irene, don't judge your emotions. Mm -hmm. Don't judge them. Stop judging um, other people because they sin different than you. Stop judging, just judgment altogether is so um, disempowering. So watch the judgment. <laughs> That's what I would say. Because when we judge that. our when emotions. You just said, don't judge other people because they sin differently than you. That'll preach in this church community at times. Um, right? So, yep. gosh, Irene, thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing your heart takes a lot to, to be a light to do the healing that you've done. So thank you. Thank you. And can I just say one more thing to um, the listeners? Um, we In recovery at our meet, my meetings, we call this a burning desire. So it's something that I couldn't let go. Um, I have to say this. There's someone out there that's listening that is struggling in an addiction or they're teetering towards it. Like I said earlier, reach out for help, please. Um, there's so many resources out there from Celebrate Recovery, confide in a pastor, um, at, talk to a friend about your mental health or whatever it is um, that you need help with. But there's a person out there who's listening who is the family member of someone in, a, in an addiction or one of a loved one, um, your, your, um, maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend is struggling in an addiction. You are just as important as that person. All the attention is going to the person in the addiction. But let me tell you something. God cares so much about you 
and you deserve healing. And um, statistics and studies show that the people, the loved ones of the addict get ignored, yet you're just as sick emotionally as the person in the addiction. So don't judge your emotions. Don't judge the fact that you might have a hard time saying no, giving them money, letting them back into the relationship, letting them back in the house. They take advantage of you. I'm sorry that that's happening. You don't deserve it, but you also deserve healing and hope. And even if they never stop, you can still get well. So take care of yourself. That was a word. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Irene, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on Instagram at IreneRollins.com. You can find my website, Irene Rollins, Facebook, which this generation is not into, the, at least not that the younger generation, um, Irene Rollins everywhere. And my book, Reframe Your Shame, you can find it anywhere um, where books are sold. Amazon, it goes on sale um, all the time for like 10 bucks. So, and also it's me reading it. If you're not a reader, download it on audio and listen to it while you're driving. Um, and I pray that God wake up your awareness. Amazing. Irene, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Annie. Hey, beautiful people. I hope this episode blessed you. Two quick things before you tune me out. One, if this podcast means anything to you, if you find value from it, I really am asking you to leave a review. It helps me out a ton. It also helps get this word out to anybody else God wants it to be put on their heart. Second thing is if you're ever like me and don't have a full hour or 40 minutes to designate to a full podcast episode, I have a brand new podcast for you. It's the baby podcast of this parent podcast, Made to Shine. It's called Made to Shine Minute. It is literally 60 seconds every single morning of an idea, a nugget put on my heart, what have you. I hope it blesses you. You can find it everywhere you look for podcasts.